Well, welcome to our midweek. Again, we've been without him for a while, but it's good to be back and it's good to have you guys back. As you can see, we made a few changes and hope you like what we've done to the place, uh, trying to make it a little friendly and fun. And so it's great to start up again. And we're going to begin a series called Image. And we're going to look at what it means to be created in the image of God. I know if you've grown up in church, that's something you've probably heard on a, maybe a regular basis or something you just grew up knowing. But what does it mean and what does it look like? And so we're going to begin looking at the book of Genesis and kind of talking about that. And so if you want, you can turn there to Genesis chapter 1. And maybe we can turn the lights up just a little so if someone doesn't have a phone to read, they can still read. This should encourage you all to get the Bible app on your phone. For when those dark moments come, you will have the light with you at all times. There, I waxed philosophical there. Okay. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, And he gathered the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning. The third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights the greater light to govern the day, and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the seas and every living thing with which the waters teems that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. 
God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not yet sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And Father, we pray that as we continue to speak just about what you have done, Lord, might we see intention and the good that was purposed And Father, may we take our place in what you have created and more, Lord, in what you have desired for us to be. I thank you for this time and we do ask your blessing again in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it would be a shame to to look at what we just read and think that what God was trying to do was give us some scientific journal of what happened. There is so much more taking place than that. There is purpose and intention that is meant to grab our understanding and to truly appreciate what is being said here. We have to understand the world that this was written in when it took place. 
You see, when this was written, the understanding of God varied, but it was very similar in so many ways. God was someone you had to appease. God was someone who you had to sacrifice to because if you didn't, you might not get rain or you might get too much rain or there might be an earthquake or who knows what could happen. But to appease God, you had to sacrifice because God is up here and man is very incidental. Man is just some forethought or afterthought that God had, but God is someone who we have to try and, and reach and attain. And so that's why we offer our animals in sacrifice or our, our crops and sacrifices, or in many cases in the religions of that time, we actually offer even our own children just with the hopes of appeasing this God. And then comes this writing that gives this declaration that Mankind was not an afterthought that mankind, humankind was actually the pinnacle of God's thought in the creation process. And he says, not only is he the pinnacle, but we are created in his image. And that's something that would cause people at this time to pause, to think, oh my gosh, what does that mean? How can you say something like that? And what does that encompass? And it's meant to cause pause. It's meant to cause reflection. It's meant for us to stop and think. If we were created in the image of God, then what does that look like? Does God have two hands? Does God wear shoes? Does God have hair? What what does it mean to be created in the image of God? And if we are created in the image of what does that look like? Is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it, is it spiritual? Whatever that might mean. How do we understand this? And so what I want to do for the, the next few weeks is look at the image of God that we are supposed to be bearing. The image of God that we are supposed to be carrying ourselves. And hopefully by looking at that, we can not only get a better understanding of God's intention, but maybe a better understanding of our purpose as well. And so I want to look at what it means to be human being and what that entails, because we have so our language is so strange. The English language is so it's always changing. I remember when I was in school and I had some friends who were Vietnamese and they were (laughs) unfortunately, coming to me asking for help and how to speak English. And they would say something like, you know, well, what does this mean? And I'd say, well, you know, when you say that's hot, it means it's cool. And they go, huh? You know, and I go, yeah, if it's hot, it's cool. And they'd look at me like so strange. Well, hot is cool. And I go, well, yeah, it's trying to present something. And they say, so hot is good. And I say, "Mm mm-hmm. And they say, and cool is bad. I go, mm-mm. They go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What does mm-hmm, mm-hmm mean? And, and so, unfortunately, they came to me with this understanding. So, you know, the idea, though, of a living being or life or the spirit to us might not mean a whole lot, but in the Hebrew, there are certain words that stand out that give us a little bit more definition. And when it talks about man created in God's image, there are some words that are associated with man that I think could give us more understanding. You know, it's as if you had an oak tree here, like Crystal drew, and I didn't tell her to draw a tree, but she did, and it's perfect for the example. And if you were to take this tree and you were to cut it through, you would see those 
annular rings that give you the understanding of what happened. And even in that tree, you know, they could say, oh, here was a lightning storm because this, you know, there was a drought or whatever. I don't know how they do that, but that's what they do. And so with man, we have, first of all, we have the center and we have a word that's called ruach. Everyone say that, ruach. You got to kind of cling on at the end, right? Ruach. All right. And ruach is spirit. And the spirit of God moved upon the earth. It wasn't the hands of God. It was the spirit of God. And at the center of man is the spirit. In Psalm 51, when David says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me and renew a right spirit within me. He's talking about this area, the, the spirit, the center of who we are is a spirit. Now, the spirit is the core of our humanity. It is what makes you, you. It's so interesting when you have children and you have more than one, and I almost think you have to have more than one to have children. You can have a child, but children takes two, right? And it's when you have two or more that you start getting the intricacies of the two of them and the differences between them because you'll find out that your kids, even if they're twins, they are not alike. They are different. They like different things. Their personalities, and you wonder, what makes this personality? And you find that it's really there. Yeah, things develop as time goes on, but the, who they are is already there. And that's at the core, the spirit of humanity. It's the depths of those things. It's what happens when you you go through the most difficult situation and you feel like there is nothing left to go on, but there is still that kind of pulse within you that says, I just need to keep on pushing on. There is something in you that still drives and moves you forward, and that's your spirit. And outside of that ring... There is another ring. I can tell I'm going to be too short for this other ring that's coming along. And this is the Neshema. Everyone say Neshema. Neshema is your soul. Okay? Neshema is the thing that we identify with in so many ways. Neshema has to deal with the seed of emotion. You know, the things that make you happy, the things that make you sad, things that give you hope, things that make you angry. All these things take place in this area, in this Neshema. And it says that God breathed the breath of life. And that word life there is Neshema. He breathed the breath of life in man. It was something that was unique to mankind. So I know you might love your dog and your dog's name, you know, Puffy or whatever you call your dog. And as cute as your dog is, your dog does not have or your puppy does not have a neshema. I'm sorry. You can say, oh, but it's okay. You can still love them. They're still cute and they're still cuddly and it's great. But only man was given this neshema, was given this soul, the breath of life that came from God. And again, in this is where we start to get those things that stand out in people's personalities that come from their spirit and you start to see those things. Have you ever come across someone and they rub you the wrong way without even talking to them? You just see them and you get the, the creeps and you're just like, oh, anyone? 
Just me? You know, you know that people, you, you walk into Starbucks and you go, oh no, you go ahead. You know, it's just, you move ahead. Something's going on in that person and I want to stay away from it. Or else there might be the opposite. You see someone and you just, man, you gravitate to them. They're just the nicest guy. It's like every guy in a romantic comedy, right? You know, he's just friendly. He's just a little bit naive, but he's loving and, you know, and everyone, oh, that's the kind of guy. And these are the kind of people you're drawn to. You know, the kind of people that you want to be with. You know, they're someone who draws you to themselves. You know, it's what we experience in that area of just their personality. It's their, you know, sense of humor and those things that you enjoy about those people. And then the last one, not going to be perfectly circle because I should have thought this through more. All right, there it is. And this is the nefesh. Everyone say nefesh. Nefesh is what we see. It is your being. It is, in a sense, your your body. It is, you know, the things that we can actually see of you. Your nefesh is what you encounter with people around you. Your nefesh is why you have blue eyes or freckles or red hair. Your nefesh is, you know, those things why you like, you know, certain food or Brussels sprouts, if anyone likes Brussels sprouts. You know, those are the kinds of things. Anyone like Brussels sprouts? Wow. Okay. So some people, you know, have certain nefeshes, you know, and and so you can look to the person next to you and say, your nefesh is looking good today. Go ahead. Okay. And the proper response is thank you. All right. It's not like you need a restraining order after that or something. Okay. So nefesh is having to do with the body and the things that we see. And so in these areas, these are all different areas that God created us and his image is meant to be seen in every one of these areas. In every place in this part of who we are, the image of God is supposed to be seen. We bear his image in our spirit or meant to bear the image in our spirit. We're meant to bear the image in our soul and the way we think and the way we just how our emotions move us. And we're meant to bear his image in the things that happen on the outer surface. But you see, what happens is kind of like that oak tree on the very outside of us. We start to develop bark and trees and maybe some moss or maybe some fungus, depending how far you want to go with the whole forest analogy. You know, you start to develop these things that start hindering the image of God from being seen within us. And so pretty soon the image of God that was meant to be seen in all of who is his creation, all the people who he breathed this breath of life in, starts to get clouded and starts to become, you can't distinguish where God is and maybe where we are. And even from there, we like that tree start to blur it with other things that we do. And, And so we start adding things in our life, like maybe greed or envy or bitterness i feel like such a teacher right now 
or even foolishness, just the decisions we start making. And so all these things that we start doing, they start affecting the image of God and they start affecting us in so many ways. They, you know, it might start off as just being something foolish. You know, it was stupid for you to start uh, using those drugs or, or to drink too much or it was foolish for you to do this. And, and it, it started off as just something surface, but pretty soon it starts working its way in you, kind of like water on the surface starts to seep down. And pretty soon it's polluting even the things that are underneath, even though it started off on the surface. You know, I know Gabe and some others have worked at a boy's home where you have these boys who have come from homes that have some serious, serious issues. And it's tragic because they're suffering from things that aren't even their choices. They're suffering from other things Running out of room. All right, over here. So they suffer from things like abuse. You know, they were abused or they were molested. You know, neglect. And these are things that happen to us that also affect who we are. They affect our body, perhaps, if it was a physical abuse. It affects our emotions and our soul. And so some of these boys... They're suffering from the choices that others made that now affect them. And so now it's hard for them to understand love because they've never experienced, they've only experienced the abuse. And it's hard for them to, to understand and show these things. And you start seeing the consequences to the choices of others that starts affecting not only them physically, but them emotionally. And pretty soon it works from the inside out where who they are looks like what has happened to them. And it's tragic because what happened is now becoming the influence of their lives. And the image of God is clouded because of these things, sometimes because of what we do and sometimes because of what is done to us. And so we find ourselves in this place having to to deal with these kinds of circumstances. And when you encounter people, you know that sometimes you'll say, oh, you know, He's a great guy if you get to know him deep down inside. Well, if he was a great guy, why would I have to get deep down inside to know him, right? Shouldn't I? he be a great guy out here? You know, no, he's a great guy if you get here, but why isn't he a great guy out here? Well, because all the things that have happened to him out here are affecting who he is deeper. And we all have those things. You see, we all suffer from this consequence of choice, either our choices or the choices of others. We all have to deal with those things. It's a brokenness that we deal with. And if you were going to you know, put a biblical term on it, you would call it sin. You know, the sin that has happened because, I can't spell, because of what we've done or because of what has happened to us, these things cause a brokenness in our lives that take what the image of God looks like, distorts it, destroys it. So sometimes it's not even visible. 
And we look at people and some of them are so damaged and some of us might be so damaged that the image of God is hardly seen in any aspect of our lives. And that's a tragic thing when those kinds of things happen. But notice in verse 26 of chapter 1, it says that we were created in God's image so that we could rule. And it's so that we could rule over the fish, the sea, the birds, and the sky. And then he says he created us in his own image so that we could be fruitful, multiply. And so there was a purpose for us being created in God's image. It was so that we could take responsibility of the rest of his creation, and that includes the people. You see, you were created in God's image so that you could continue his image and reflect his image to the rest of the creation that you live in. And not just people, but the entire world. We are supposed to be responsible for God's creation. We were put in a place of custodian, so to speak. And so we are supposed to rule, but it was as a person who cared for these things. And so what happens is when the image of God starts to decline in us, all of creation suffers around us. Because we were given a responsibility, and now it starts to fall apart. You guys might know if you work somewhere and you go to a job and someone is supposed to take care of a certain function at work. And if they don't do their job, well, then maybe you can't do your job. You know, if you don't fill out this right, then I can't do my job. I'm depending on you. And now I look bad because you failed to fill out the paperwork, fill the order, whatever it is. And now I have to deal with the consequences of your inefficiency and humanity is in that boat with creation. All of creation is suffering. In Romans chapter 8, it tells us, it's groaning as with birth pains, waiting eagerly for the redemption of the children of God to be revealed. Revealed into what? Back into the image that God has established for us. And when we take on that image, we regain our responsibilities to bear and reflect the image of God to the world that is around us. And so step into the picture, Jesus. Here we are in our brokenness. Here we are. How do I get this image of God back? How, how can we take this, what was given to us by God? How do we get it back? And what happens so many times is people say, well, we know what the image of God looks like, right? We know that it's not greed, so, you know, it's going to be generosity and it's not envy. And so we're going to have to stop doing these things and start doing these things. And so if you want to bear the image of God, this is what you got to do. You got to carry those things that God wants you to be. And, and this is the image of God. It becomes your backpack. This is the good. I got to do the good things. I've got to put on the image of God and... and Man, okay, now I've got it. Now I've got the image of God and I'm bearing it. I'm not doing those things I shouldn't do. I'm doing the things I should do. I've got the image of God. I know what they are. And pretty soon it starts getting heavy. And then pretty soon, you know what? I really want to 
get high right now. I'm going to put the image of God down for a minute, and I'm going to go party for the weekend. All right, okay, and then go party. Oh, man, I need the image of God again. Okay, that's right, Sunday. I got to get up, go to church. I got it. I got the image of God again. I'm back. All right, God and I are doing good today, you know, and then, oh, I met this girl. Man, she's really hot. I'm going to put the image of God away for the weekend, you know, and I'm going to have some fun, and then there's the image of God's gone, and then, oh, wait, I need... Sunday's coming, oh, Wednesday, okay. And we start taking off and putting on the image of God as if it's something that it's about what we do. And you see, what Jesus did was come to bring the life of God back in us. So instead of it being something that we have to put on and we have to try and do, Jesus wants to bring it from within us out. It's not something that you do, it's someone you become. And it changes everything when it moves from a burden or a religious activity that needs to be done to becoming a part of your life that you start to live out. See, there's a story in Matthew chapter 22. If you turn there, Matthew 22, verse 34. where Jesus is being tested. In Matthew 22, verse 34, it says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. Now, Sadducees and Pharisees lump them in as religious leaders, okay? Here are the religious leaders. They're, they're coming, and he'd silenced these religious leaders together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. You see, what Jesus said is you're to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And you could even include strength. You are to love God from every aspect of your being. I want to look like God. Don't put on the backpack of religious activity. It starts with love because you will look like what you love. You will take the image on of the things that you love and that will begin to shape you. And so when Jesus is challenged, what do I need to do? How do, how am I supposed to be like God? How do I regain the image of God? He says, you love God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he goes further. And he says, this is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because your image was meant to serve those around you. And if you love God, the image of God will then love those that are around you. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Get it? The children of God, those who who bear God's DNA, those who have the representation of God, those who will be called his children are those who actually Make peace. 
You were created in God's image so that you could take care of the world that you live in. In other words, represent God and what he wanted and his intention for the world. That's our responsibility. And and so if we're going to love God, it's going to overspill on everybody around us, the people around us. And and so what happens if we start thinking about this? I, I need to bear the image of God to the people around me. You know, so now when you're angry with someone, I know it doesn't happen to you guys, but every now and then it might happen, you know, to me, just to tell you the truth. And you get angry at someone. How can you bring the image of God out of them? How can you help them look more like the image of God? I'm angry at them. I know, but I should try and help pull that out of them instead of just being angry and start giving in to these other things. You see, the whole idea is to bring from us the things that will help those around us. If we don't realize that our lives have influence, then every time we encounter something, that person who makes us angry, that person who you know, causes us to just want to hurt them, um, if we don't recognize that the things that we do have an effect not only on those around us, but on these different areas of our lives, what happens is we start to detach ourselves from the intention of God. And so you engage in an activity, you get drunk, you think, oh, it's just my nefesh. You know, I'm just getting drunk. It doesn't hurt anybody. Does anyone know an alcoholic that hasn't hurt the family around them? It's a myth. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to go sleep with my girlfriend. We're just going to have some nefesh, my nefesh, nefesh with her nefesh. You know, it's just, you're going to have that kind of a, a weekend. And so, and, and you don't realize that you know, the things that you do are connected to who you are that are connected to the soul of you. And you realize that it's a lot deeper. And intimacy is something that affects all areas of your life. And pretty soon you neglect the image of God, not only in you, but you start to distort it in that other person. And you see, the image of God is something that Jesus gives his life into us to deal with the brokenness. So now I don't have to be defined by the greed that's been in my life. I don't have to be defined by the abuse that has happened to me, that God gets to start within me and work his way out. And that's why Second Corinthians chapter five seventeen says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. What does that mean? It means that God is reestablishing his image in our spirits that overtakes our souls and that shows up in how we live. And I'm no longer defined by all those things. Doesn't everyone want to start over at some point? Don't you, aren't there times in your life? I can, I can think of so many times where I've wished, oh man, if I could just take that week back. Oh, if I could take that year back. Oh, those last five years, if I could start over again, if I could just stop that activity and get another start. I wish I didn't make that mistake. And here is Jesus saying, I'm able 
to take all the fungus and bark and junk that is hindering who I have created you to be. And I'm able to quicken your life, make you alive, so now that my life can be seen in you, which was my intention all along. And now when he says, you are the light of the world, what is he saying? You're my image. Take your role and be the example to the world around you. We have a responsibility that comes with the image. And so what we need to do is recognize that the image of God was meant for us to reflect who God is to the people and to the world around us. That with his image comes responsibility. And that the image of God is supposed to be seen in the ruach, the depth of who we are. It's meant to be seen in the neshema, the outside or the soul of the things, our emotions, and it's meant to be seen on the nefesh, how we conduct ourselves in the outer things that happen around us. This is what it means to be created in his image. And if we would take our role and start living in his image, then we will start influencing the world around us, the people around us, because that's what we've been called to do. And that's his commission. Let's pray. Lord, the word responsibility is one I don't really care for. But it's one that has been given to all who would bear your image. And Lord, we all struggle with the past. We all struggle with our weaknesses, the things that have hurt us or areas that guilt we have hurt others. And Lord, instead of trying to put on a brave face and put on that religious front and bear a burden to look like you, may we allow you to change us, to give us your life, Jesus. So that it's something that is done because we love you with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with our strength. And may that love for you transform every area of our lives and then the lives of those around us. Jesus, you didn't come just to forgive us of our sins. You came to restore the image of God in humanity. May we allow you to do that in us. We do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.